What's up, Gravel family? I'm Sophia. And I'm Jason. And this is the Gravel Family Podcast. The Gravel Family Podcast is an encouraging space to motivate more people to get on their bikes and enjoy gravel. We're going to share a variety of stories from hometown pirates to the top tier pros. We're also going to share training tips and insights on gravel worlds and other events, as well as answer your questions that arise through your training season. We are so excited you're here. Welcome to the Gravel Family. All right, what's up, Gravel family? I'm Jason. I'm Sophia. And we are back for another episode, a super exciting one. Um, I've been a fan of this person for about a year now when I first saw the work that she was doing. Uh, So we're super excited to have her on here. And also, it's really special because with this episode, uh, we're kicking off Black History Month, and we thought it would be a great guest to, um, you know, kick off the month and uh, just talk about diversity in cycling and the great work that's being done. So uh, this guest, she is a board member for the Gravel Cycling Hall of Fame. Uh, She's a member of the Major Taylors out of Kansas City. It's an awesome uh, cycling group that we're definitely going to talk about. Uh, she's a pr- uh, producer of public programs as well as she sits on the board for the Kansas City Public Library. She's a huge advocate for diversity and inclusion in gravel cycling. We're super happy to have you. Welcome to the podcast, Denisha Snell. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to having this conversation. <laughs> Yay. Well, let's kick it off here. What is your cycling story? Everyone has their story of how they got into the sport, how they got into community, how they got into the community. What is yours? Absolutely. So back in 20, let's see, my story starts in 2012, 2013. Um, I got into cycling for health reasons. Um, I am a type 2 diabetic. Actually, they say type 1.5, whatever that means. Um, diabetic. And at the time, <laughs> I, I know, right, whatever that means. I was really um, overweight. I was a smoker. Um, and I decided I wanted to get healthy. Um, I had always really kind of worked out, but never using a bike. I met a guy here in Kansas City um, who took me under his wing and taught me how to ride. I knew how to ride a bike. I had been riding a bike for years. I knew how to ride a bike, but how to ride on the street, what does that mean, all of that. And so cycling was part of um, my plan to get healthy and to try to stay healthy, to improve my quality of life. Um, My oldest brother is an avid cyclist. He races. Um, And so he has been racing for probably 30 plus years now. Um, I would love to say that I looked at him and was like, yes, I can do that because I can't do what he does. But I would say that he is still an inspiration because um, I've seen him out on his bike and he's probably, he's 10 years older than me and he is just, super healthy he's built really well it's you know i'm like the the bike riding is doing something for this man and if i have those genes then let me figure out how to be at 56 like he is at 56 and so um i continued from there you know i didn't get really really serious into cycling until my mother passed away i wasn't consistent And um, I tell the story about watching my mother take her last breath from complications of diabetes. And when that happened, that was it for me. I was like, yep, I am going to get myself together. Um, I've been diabetic for a long time. I was first diagnosed as type 1 because I was um, diagnosed as at 15. Um, And so I've been diabetic for a while. And um, I know that it's already taken its toll on my body. And so um, when I watched her take her last breath, that was it. That was a catalyst for me saying, okay, get it together, Denisha, be consistent, you know. And so that, you know, my journey has, has, it started back 2012, 2013, and it's just continued. That's great. So you're relatively new to the cycling scene and you're newer, even newer to gravel. Um, When was your first like gravel event and when did you start getting into the gravel riding and racing? Um, I got into gravel. So in 2020, I went to the bike store to buy a new bike. This was pre-pandemic. That's always an exciting day. 
Yes, I know, right? This was pre-pandemic. I went with my friend Mitchell Williams, who a lot of people know Mitchell. And I was going to buy an e-bike. And I was like, I'm going to get an e-bike because I just want to toot around town and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I got on this e-bike. I rode it. It was great. I was like, oh, this is so fun. And he was like, why don't you ride this bike and try this one? Well, it happened to be the Diverge that I'm riding right now. I didn't know what a gravel bike was. I had no idea what I was getting. I can't name the components to this day that are on my bike, right? And they're all gravel. (laughs) (laughs) I told my brother, I said, I promise I'm going to learn the components on my bike, GTRX, whatever. Anyway, it's all gravel stuff on my bike. I I do know what type of tires I ride, though. But, um... And that was it. So he, I loved it. I wrote it. I was like, oh, this is kind of nice. I think I, you know, I'll buy this. I did not know it was a gravel bike. Um, I soon found out. And Mitchell was like, let's, you know, let's go out. Let's, you know, do this ride and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Let's go out and take it on some trails. Because we was just riding the street at that point. Um, and so... During this time, and the the timing is always a little fuzzy in my mind, but I know it was 2020, we got connected with Christy Moan and the folks at Unbound. And that's when Gravel really took hold with us as a club, with me as a rider. They introduced us to the... the um, to Unbound. I had no idea what Unbound, DK, I didn't know what any of that was. I had no idea. Um, they introduced us to Gravel and it kind of took off from there. And it's it's something that I really love to do now. That's incredible. So it's kind of like a snowball effect. Like you brought, you bought the bike first, had no idea what you were getting into, and now it's just transformed your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. It has it has transformed my life. I'm still pulling people in to riding gravel. I have a when I was in DC this past Christmas, you know, I have a friend who rides road bikes. Um and I was like, come on, I we called to I called Tanika and I, you guys probably know everybody knows Tanika, but Tanika, I said Tanika, come on, I got a friend here. You I, she can ride my bike, I'll ride your extra bike. So I was out there riding a fifty-two when I ride, normally ride like a fifty-six. And she I let my friend ride my bike and we got her we got her on some gravel and we had but she enjoyed it she really um is an athlete and she was like 10 miles out she was like oh i'm good i'm floating the 10 miles back she was like oh now i ooh, i feel some type of type of way and she really got <laughs> and i know right same, she same. got an understanding of what that gravel means to us like it's not really like riding the road and so when i tell you to put some food in your mouth <laughs> Before we go out here, I need mm-hmm. you to put some food in your mouth. It's not the same as riding the road. And I think that's been the really the big thing about riding gravel for me is the challenge, right? I get to challenge myself. I get to challenge my body. And I get to see how I've improved over time and really stretching to see what can my body do. Yeah. Yeah, I relate to that a lot because before I just thought, you know, I my dad rode I've always been around the gravel scene and I was always like oh it just looks like a fun adventure you know like oh you just go out for the day and casually ride like there is so much more to it than just hopping on your bike like the preparation for a gravel ride starts the night before like you have to have your nutrition on point you have to have your sleep on point you have to have your whole situation ready to go Yes, absolutely. And I think that's both the gift and the curse of riding gravel. Um, (laughs) There's some days that I get up and I'm just like, I'm just going to go for a walk because I don't feel like prepping everything. And, you know, um, so let me just throw on my tennis shoes and just walk out the door and just, you know, just go for a walk. But you do, you have to prep. It's, it's different than riding on the road. The feel is different. It affects your body differently. And I think that's, again, that's some of the, of the, um, beauty of riding gravel is that, um, you know, especially for us city kids, you know, being able to get out and get into some of those rural areas. And, and it so it really takes a lot of extra prep, you know, because I'm not living on a yeah minimum maintenance road <laughs> in the middle of That's Kansas. That's what I, I was going to ask. Like how for you in Kansas City and then even when you were out in Washington, D.C., how 
do you have to drive to your gravel basically and then start from there or is it possible to ride to it so in dc i've written to gravel um but it starts on the street right it starts on a trail and then you connect to especially if you're riding from like the virginia area you know i start on the trail hit hit the street and then we hit the you know the spot where we can pick up some gravel um within the city in kansas city it's different yes we have to i can get on a trail but it's not really gravel um, so we can get and hop in the car, you know, get everything packed up. We can ride, we can drive 30, 45 minutes north and hit Weston, Missouri, where we can pick up some really good gravel there. We can always go to Kansas and hit Ottawa. And There's Gardner. some major hills up there. Oh, oh my God. The hills are crazy in Weston. They are crazy. <laughs> but we, we found a nice flat part in West End. So when we say flat, that means we We love that. (laughs) We get, I don't know, a thousand feet of climbing maybe. That's flat for us, you know. But um, we do a nighttime ride up there in Weston as well. That's nice. That's pretty flat. So it's it's fun. Uh, Got to be careful, but it is fun. Um, so we do have to do a little bit of driving to get to gravel. We can always drive to Emporia, drive to Ottawa, um, drive to Gardner, Kansas, and and pick up some some gravel out in those areas. Nice. Yeah, that's like I I take it for granted so often, like how easy it is to get to gravel here. It's Mm -hmm. like we're on a major interstate. We have highways. It's not like we're (laughs) Lincoln's a tiny town. You know, it's 300,000 people. But I mean, basically eight miles in any direction from my house, I can hit endless gravel. So it's like, yeah, you have a little 30 minute warm up and then you're on gravel or you could just drive a few minutes if you want to. But yeah, I take for gra- that for granted all the time. Especially our trail system here in Lincoln is so good. Like I from my front door to gravel, it's not even a 10 minute ride. Yeah. Like and I live fairly in the s- middle of the city. So, you know, it's because of how good our trails are. It's we're we're very lucky. Yeah. I love that Kansas City does not have that at all. Like, we do not have a good system of getting to, yeah, the infrastructure for anything but cars is not good here. Yeah, like, we're, Lincoln was so forward-thinking. I can't, do you remember the name of the the woman? She just passed away. No, but I know you're talking She was, like, a huge advocate Mm -hmm. um, for cycling, and we have, like, a bridge named after her. Um, But, like, I mean, this was, like, 30 years ago, 40 years ago that she's like, Hey, this is the future. And she was super involved with the city and helped. Like we luckily had a, uh, city council that was kind of on board. And it's like, you know, anytime a rail system got taken out, it's like, let's make it a bike trail right away. You know, and any new like drainage projects, it's like, let's put a trail next to it. So, like Lincoln has 135 miles of trails in you town. You were very close. You were one mile off, 134 miles. There it is. All right. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, wow. for a pretty small-ish town, yeah, 134 miles of trails in town. Like we, it's it's almost everywhere you can bike in Lincoln. And yeah, I mean Kansas City's not very far from us. Omaha's not very far from us, and it's like the opposite. Uh, where city council fights it and like it's like pulling teeth like you said last night you went to a a bike road meeting and it did not go great (laughs) you know so uh (laughs) you said that off the off camera so it's what was that experience because it's 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 night and day uh, from different cities especially here in the midwest yeah absolutely i mean it's it's crazy. So for me, when I look at cycling, I look at cycling as a health benefit. I have a public health background. I was in public health for about um, 10 or 11 years. Um, I understand what we call the social determinants of health, right? What are the things that make up the health of our community? And some of that is accessibility, whether you're biking, whether you're walking, um, having your kids be able to walk to school, et cetera. All of that makes up the health of your city, right? And so, you know, we are just now starting to get bike lanes in Kansas City. And I mean, people are fighting it tooth and nail. And it's almost a, um, Kansas City's weird. I mean, we're dropped in the middle of the, you know, we're dropped in the middle of the country. We're in Missouri if that tells you anything and it's just 
it's it's <laughs> it's odd because um people and I know this is not just Kansas City, but people haven't looked at cycling and walking as really holistically as a part of having a healthy community, right? And what does that mean for you, your business, your children, your grandchildren? It's almost that futuristic thinking, right? We want to be healthy and, and, you know, and I don't want to be laying on my deathbed thinking, oh, you know, F those bike lanes, you know? It's, it, I, I want to be thinking, how did I, how can I have... <laughs> encouraged my community to be healthy. And so um, that meeting was interesting because um, it almost became a racial, political type of thing. And it was a very odd feeling um, when people try to politicize people just trying to get around the city, right? Um, and when I think about bike lanes, I don't just think about bikes, but it's it's walkability. It's, you know, I cannot just walk out my front door and walk walk to a coffee shop or walk to the grocery store or walk to, you know, a, a trail so I can get exercise. Um, and so it's, it's, I wish we were a bit more forward thinking in that way. Um, but that's why when I talk about cycling, I don't talk about cycling in a competitive way. I talk about it as part of um, a, a plan to, 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 to be healthier. And especially um, as a black woman and knowing that I can throw a stone and hit somebody that's diabetic, high blood pressure, whatever the case may be. And how do we encourage people to get outside and to move their body? And if you choose to use a bike to do that, I want you to be able to have the things to make it easy enough for you to get out of your house and get that exercise in or easy enough to walk out of your house and hit a trail or even a protected lane that you can walk in. Um, and so it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting to see that, yes, you have cities that are smaller than Kansas City that are way more progressive. You know, in Lincoln, I consider, obviously, we just talked about it. We have great bike trails. We have great bike lanes. But for as many as we do, we still need more. And yeah. every time there's a new trail announced or every time there's a new bike lane announced, the comments on Facebook or on the news, they're so negative. And they're like, when are these cyclists going to pay taxes? When are these, <laughs> you know, they're just bringing us down. And it's so sad because they don't see the bigger picture of this is going to improve people's lives. This yes. isn't a hindrance for motorists. This is giving people a different way to get to work. This is giving them a different way to exercise. It's just opening up more opportunities for people in our community. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I was, um, I was in Europe this summer, last summer, last fall with my daughter and I spent some time, she was in Slovenia and the, in Slovenia, the roads are extremely narrow I mean, extremely narrow, and everybody was on a bike, and we were in a car. We were almost the oddballs out. But even aside from that, you know, I look at being able to how they have their city, and it's, it's a lot of European cities. You know, you they have it set up where it's convenient for people to be mobile. And not just on a bike. Yeah. Like, how do you, you can be mobile yeah. here? You can, you know, they, I was in Italy as well, and they talk about how Americans eat all this food. Well, everything they sat in front of me in Italy was a huge portion. But what did I do? I never had to get in a car, right? I walked everywhere. Yeah. So I had. 20,000 plus steps every single solitary day. So even if I did sit, sit down and eat a huge portion of portion of food, I could walk it off very easily. Um, and so just thinking in those terms, um, even if you never change the way that you eat, if you get out and walk and exercise and not even walking to exercise, I have to walk to the grocery store. Or, and I have the ability to do so, that helps me to get that natural movement into my day. There was a, there was like a TikTok trend, a couple, like right near the end of the year. And it was like these, most of them were students, but it was like, or people that's like, yeah, I moved to Europe or I've 
studied abroad and they're like, I feel like I'm eating all the time, but I'm losing weight. Like what is everybody? And like, everybody's like, yeah, me too. Like what is going on? And yeah, I mean, the biggest thing was just active transportation. It's like, I'm either riding my bike, I'm walking everywhere. Like, I don't remember the last time I got in my car. And, and I mean, part of it too is like, the U S is a huge country. Like we're very spread out. And, but then we also, you can get into suburbs and all the issues that those have created with, you know, a lot of those city centers in Europe and other places around the world. It's like, everything is right in your downtown area and suburbs are kind of the oddball, but here it's all of our stuff is designed for cars first and people second. So, yeah, we just had a winter market downtown in Lincoln and they shut down one of the large downtown streets. And there's been an Instagram account going around. I think it's called Less Cars Lincoln, something like that. I don't know if you've seen it, Jason. I haven't Jason. seen it. Haven't seen it. Um, but it's basically a movement to try and get more streets shut off downtown. That way it is walkable. And you don't have these cars zoom in through downtown where there's people walking on both sides of the street, people trying to cross the street, like just make it walkable so that people can enjoy their surroundings instead of being concerned about cars around them. I think it was right. Boulder. Didn't like Pearl street in Boulder. Yeah. It's like five, like 10 years ago or I forget when they shut that. I think it used to be a road that went mm-hmm. through and they shut it to traffic and it was a huge deal. And now like, it's like an iconic part of Boulder. You go yeah. down there. It's like, clearly this was a road at one point, but now it's like, that's where everybody goes. And like all the restaurants are packed and everything. Yeah. So there's like entertainment in the middle of the quote unquote street. Yeah. There's parks, right. there's little rivers going through it, you know, yeah. like it's right. just, I would enjoy that a lot more than just streets downtown. Than just streets. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and not only bikes and walkers, but you have people in wheelchairs Right. And how do they, you know, we're on wheels, but they're on wheels, too. And so how do we make it safer for them and and have the mobility for those who just have a who are differently able than we are? Get into something that you're really passionate about, uh, the major tailors. What what is the major tailors? I know you've got your own group down there in Kansas City, but what what is the major tailors? Major Taylor was a black cyclist that lived in the late 1800s. He was really kind of the first black cycling superhero um, that was breaking all kinds of records um, as a cyclist. Fastest mile, um, was born in Indianapolis, Indiana. So you can go up to the uh, Major Taylor Velodrome up there now that um, there's also a Major Taylor um, in Chicago trail up in that area. Um, and, And... we have a national organization that is the Major Taylor Alliance. And that Major Taylor Alliance um, folds in the Major Taylor clubs that you will find in a lot of cities, in addition to internationally. So we have Major Taylor clubs in Taiwan, um, in Europe. And so that is who Major Taylor was. Um, And here's who we are. (laughs) We are the clubs that represent the spirit of Major Taylor. We have a club here in Kansas City. Um, We are a um, all-encompassing club, which means we're a diverse club. Um, Not just racially diverse, but we're diverse in the type of riding we do. So we have um, friends who ride gravel, who ride road, who ride mountain bikes, who ride cycle, who race cyclocross. And so um, we're an all-encompassing club. And what our specialty is, is bringing folks in, um, introducing them to the sport of cycling, and then allowing us, allowing folks to grow into whatever um, part of cycling that they want to, um, to grow into. And so we don't say we're a road cycling club. We don't say we're a gravel club. Although a lot of us ride gravel, there are some of us that dislike gravel, but we're going to get them switched over. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, we, we we'll get, we'll get them eventually. We'll we'll get them eventually. Um, um, we, (laughs) we, um, we, we are just a very, um, welcoming 
club here in Kansas City. And so we don't care who you are. We don't care what race you are. We don't care how you gender identify. We don't care about any of that stuff. We Are you outside and do you want to ride a bike? If your answer is, I'm outside and I want to ride a bike, then come ride with us and we will welcome you and get you going. And so um, that is really our specialty here in Kansas City. Of course, we have partnerships with um, different rides. And so that's really a big thing to help us introduce people to different types of riding. Um, a lot of it's with gravel. So we've done things at Gravel Worlds in Lincoln, Nebraska, which I have to say this, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on here with you guys. Or maybe I am. It doesn't matter. The I'm not. I'm just joking. Gravel um, <laughs> <the laughs> Worlds is a great first ride to introduce people to gravel cycling, to gravel events. And let me tell you why. You have a variety of, 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 of ride lengths, but the end of your ride is straight, flat, and downhill. And I'm like, if... Heck yeah, it is. <laughs> When you ride a ride and that's the last thing you remember is riding in this very fast downhill, you're going to always come back to that ride. Always. <laughs> well, and then even the like, like the last like five miles is relatively flat too. There's yeah. a couple, like there's one kind of ish, big ish hill at the end. But then, yeah, it's like the, from Raymond where you can get, go in and get a bar, a beer yeah. With six miles left, if you don't care about your time, go have a beer. The Garmin guys will be out there for sure give, with having a party. some free gushers. <laughs> with some free gushers. But yeah, and then from there on, it's like flat. You get a little flat. dirt road at the end there. And then, yeah, it's downhill. She's like paved, flat. <laughs> downhill and paved to the finish. <laughs> I promise. I was on, I was this, so last year was my first time riding Girl Worlds, and I was, when I hit that dirt, I passed the Garmin guys, and when I hit, it's almost like a single track, right? Like dirt. I hit that, and I was just, I was like, oh my god, this is fun. It's the best, because you know, you have some of those rides that is straight uphill at the very end, and that is not memorable. That's not fun. It's not fun. So I always recommend Gravel Worlds, because I'm like, y'all hit that 50k ride, have fun on it, you know, there's going to be some climbing, it's, you know, but it's fun. It's not um, an unattainable ride, but that's what Major Taylor is about. We understand the rides that we're going to, we understand the people that are riding with us, and we can point them to different places and spaces and say, hey, you might not want to do this one, since this is your first, but we're going to point you over to this one. And so that is that is a lot of what we do is just getting people introduced to to cycling. And and we run the gamut of who rides with us. We have people who are just beginning and we have people who race, who are on podiums. And so we we run the gamut of, of, of cyclists. And so that's really what Major Taylor is about, especially our club here in Kansas City. I feel like it. Sounds like something that everyone would want to be a part of. Like everyone deserves a group of people that are there for them no matter what, who support them, who lift them up, who encourage them. And that just, that's what Major Taylor sounds like. Did you have someone that brought you into the club? Like how did you get involved? So there's been a couple of, um, of, major tailors that have happened across the years in Kansas City, major tailor cycling clubs. Um, with this one in the way that it is now, uh, Mitchell Williams um, was really instrumental in saying, hey, Denisha, we're going to, you know, come out and ride. I rode a few times with the major tailor club in the way that it was kind of before we've gotten to where we are now. Um, and Mitchell kind of pulled me in and was like, come on, we're going to, you know, we're going to ride and we're going to do this. And we've just evolved since then. And there's been a lot of people who have been really instrumental in how we evolve as a club. So you got Mitchell, you got, um, you know, Mark Horn. There's, there's a lot of folks who have been really instrumental in saying, okay, we're going to evolve into this and we're going to make sure that this is a community. 
You know, people want to race, people want to get better, people want to get faster, and we want to do that too. Um, but we also want to make sure that we build community and have good athletes at the same time. And again, that's, you know, Mitchell, prior to Major Taylor, he was the president of the Kansas City Cycling Club, which kind of encompassed Kansas and Missouri, because, you know, we straddle the line. And um, um he was instrumental in building that club. And so really just understanding community and what it means to be welcoming. I was somewhere once and I had a lady ask me about how we do what we do. And I was like, you know, a lot of it is just we don't have A group, B group, C group. We don't do that. Um, we have a Monday night ride and it's Mondays aren't so bad. And it's, you know, if you ride faster, great. You know that we're going to stop and gather and wait on those who may not be riding as fast. So it's not like, oh, you show up and you go to the A group because that is the group that is riding. No, if you want to come out and you want to ride 22 miles an hour, you go do that ride a different day. Well, on that note, how can people join Major Taylors? Or find, or yeah, find or clubs find, yeah. that, that are around them. Absolutely. So if you want to find um, a club that's in your city, um, you can go to if you just Google Major Taylor Alliance, you can find clubs there Um, and you can find I believe they have all the clubs listed under on their website. If you want to find a club, if you want to start a Major Taylor Club and there's not one in your city, do that. You know, do that. We would love for you to do that. And you can reach out to us here in Kansas City. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on the on the internet on the webs on our website. So on Instagram, it's Major Taylor KC. Um, and on our website, it's Major Taylor Kansas City um, dot org. I believe. I hope I'm not saying that wrong. If I am. Google us because you can find us and reach out. <laughs> I know. And you can find me. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me at DF Shock the DA third. Um, inbox me and I'll get you in touch with somebody. And you know, we would love to have you either ride with us here in Kansas City or ride with your local major Taylor club in your own city. Uh, and I did want to say uh, a, a huge thank you to the Major Taylor KC Club in regards to Gravel Worlds because you, you specifically, Denisha, and then your club was a huge part of Gravel Worlds last year. I mean, you were, um, you sat on our diversity panel, um, which was un- incredible. You, you also brought up a lot of people for um, the diversity ride and BIPOC ride, um, which um, which was really successful that we added that this year we had that request to do it and you know we we definitely need to be doing that we ha- need to have more races uh, creating a sp- safe space for people of color to meet each other because a lot of times you don't get to see that I mean what does a I should ask you like what do these group rides like diversity rides and diversity panels at events like what does that bring to the table um, that you know people like me a white straight man doesn't fully understand like what it what's the benefit of those the benefit is exposure and the benefit is community and so if i know and this is part of what's hard to understand for somebody who is not a person of color But if I know that I'm looking and I see Tanika Duhaney out there, Tanika is out there riding gravel, I know that I can go out there and ride gravel as well, right? If I see Denisha out there riding gravel and Denisha is okay with riding in Emporia and she's not scared and she's not for whatever reasons, right? And I I won't go into the whole... um, how a lot of our parents raised us to be fearful of places. And so if Denisha can ride out there and she's not fearful of riding out in a rural area, I can get out and not be fearful of riding. So a lot of it is, hey, you see somebody else, you see Mitchell out there, you see Dr. Ken out there, you see these black men out there and these black women out there riding these bikes in rural areas or in areas that typically we are not welcome. Um, that representation shows that I, I I am welcome in that space. 
I am welcome in that space. And not that I have to just ride with black people, but I know that there is some safety in those numbers. Do you feel safe when you ride gravel? Like those things that you kind of just mentioned? Like, is it, do you have stories that can enlighten us with that? For the most part, I feel very safe. Um, but I never would, I would not ride gravel out by myself. I wouldn't ride out by myself. And I have some counterparts who are white women who are okay with riding gravel out by themselves. And they will go out and do a century and they'll be like, oh yes. And again, I think that I've thought about this a lot and Growing up, I grew up with parents who were born in the 40s and they both lived in the deep south. Um, And it's part of it is not this is not your world. Like, and so you cannot be you don't you dare go out and be brave enough to go out because things happen because this is not your world. Right. Um, And my counterparts don't don't have that fear because they don't have that. They weren't told that narrative that this is not your world. And so I go out and ride gravel. There's places that I don't ride by. I don't ever ride gravel by myself. Would I ride in the city by myself? Yes, I have and I do, but I would not venture out to ride in Western Missouri and some of the places that we ride without having somebody else with me. Um, I do have a story, but I think the story is a really positive one. I mean, you know, we get out in some of these places and we make assumptions about who we think people are. Um, I can tell you I've done rides here in Missouri where I've made assumptions and I've had people come out and I I can think of one specifically I did last summer that was a really, really hot day. um, I was out somewhere, I don't even know where, Batesville, Bates City, somewhere out in Missouri, eastern Missouri, and um, I had a guy walk out of his house. I mean, I was cramping and he walked out of his house and he was like, what do you need? Is there something I can help you with? And you know, out in these areas, you never think about that. Um, and I was like, I need mustard and water. <laughs> and he brought out a big bottle of mustard and <laughs> um, a lot of water. He was like, yeah, I bought all this water when COVID hit because my friends told me to, but I'm not going to drink it because I don't drink water like that. So he was like, how much do you want? So, <laughs> I mean, I have very positive stories like that where you we make assumptions about who we think people are and it's not always like that. And you never know where your helping hand is going to come from. Um, and I would say the reverse is the same in the city. Like, you don't ever know. People make assumptions about riding in certain parts of the city, but you never know who's watching and who's there to lend out a hand for you if you if you need it. Yeah, it's just it, it's always good, especially, again, for a person like me to hear those stories. Like, I know Sophia has a story that like there was one time she went on a ride with one of her friends and this guy just comes up and catcalls her and is crazy inappropriate with them and it's like in my head that's never happened like that I don't even have an inkling that that's possible so it's like good to know like to put yourself in other people's shoes the things that they go through and like we have a long way to go we're we're there's a lot of things to do like that are great there's a lot of things that are great um not saying it's doom and gloom but we still have a long way to go and we need to be leaders and examples in that and so uh thanks for telling those stories and um yeah, it sucks that we have to have conversations like this, but we do. Does, um, yeah. But so, yeah, thanks for telling us that. Anything else on the Major Taylor side that you want to talk about? No, I think just um, come out, ride with us. If you see us out and at some of these events, talk to us. We love to talk to people. Um I have folks say stuff to me all the time. I think it's the glasses more so than anything. People recognize the glasses, but we love to have folks talk <laughs> I to I love us your and- glasses. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we love to have folks talk to us. We would love to have you ride with us. Um, and just, you know, we're all about having fun. So join join in on the fun with us and, and let's let's go ride. What what races are you guys going to in twenty twenty three that they could meet you up on gravel? Oh, yeah. Um, Mid-South in March. Um, Gravel Worlds in August. Yep. Unbound SBT in, in August. SBT, SBT in August. Yes, we will be there at SBT. 
um, in August, and it's back to back because we do SBT and then Gravel Worlds. Yep. Um, oh yeah, back to back. Yeah, Sunday, yeah, Sunday back. then Saturday. It's a good week. Yep, Sunday. Yep, back to back. And then um, I'm trying to think of what other ones we're doing. Those are the main ones that I can think of. There's going to be some of us that are going to be at the Skinny Tire Festival in Utah. Um, so some of us will be at Mid-South. Some of us will be in Utah. So those are the main ones that I can think of right now. We'll always do some local stuff. Um, you can find us in Ottawa down doing the, they do the waffle ride, waffle and coffee down there. And we'll go down and ride down there. But those, those are the big, big ones for this year. Nice. Do you have any goals for 2023 personally on or off the bike? (laughs) Um, on the bike. I want to have fun. I want to have fun. I, <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I realized a long time ago, like, I'm never going to podium. <laughs> 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 so, like, <laughs> you know, and uh, have fun. We tend to be the, um, the club where you'll find us out. Or, I, you know, sometimes I tend to be the person that'll be out with people who, you know, they choose to do certain rides for their first rides and we'll ride along with them. And stuff like that is fun for us, you know. Um, and so I, I plan to have more fun this year. Um, I do have a time goal in mind. Um, I have a I want to do 50 miles in a certain amount of time. Um, and so I'm not going to say what that is. But I'm, but I have it in my head. <laughs> um, off the bike, just become as strong as I can possibly be. Um, continue on my life's journey, um, becoming the best Denisha that I can be, and that involves my body, my mind, and my spirit. And so, um, those are my goals for 2023. Those are amazing goals. I love it. What about in 2022? This is actually a question that was submitted through Instagram. Um, we put up a little poll yesterday uh, asking people, our Instagram followers, to submit a question for you. And one of theirs was, in 2022, was there some, wh- what was something you were most proud of on the bike and also off the bike? Two things. Yeah. Um, in 2022, on the bike... I was most proud of completing Steamboat when I cramped up. I cramped up really bad at Steamboat. And um, I was doing the 64 miles, and I I cramped up extremely bad. Um, But I had a goal of riding most of the hills. I was like, I'm going to ride these hills. And I did a lot of them. Um, But I still completed, even though I cramped up. I mean, I was just like one foot in front of the other, Denisha, just go. And it didn't matter how slow I went. Um, I completed that. I was really proud of that because um, that could, that was an icky ride, not gravel wise, but just you know my body and 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 me, you know. Yep. <laughs> um, off the bike, I'm most proud of the fact that um, 2022 was interesting. My oldest daughter graduated from college. Um, I had um, a parent pass away in 2022. Um, I think I'm most proud of making it through in a sane way. Wow. <laughs> I still have my mind. Um, I'm still here. And so I'm just proud that I made it through 2022. And I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell the story. Well, good for you. We're proud of you. And we're <clears throat> glad to have you be part of this community. Thank you. I'm grateful to be here. Very grateful. All right, so we have a couple questions um, about like diversity initiatives, especially when it comes to like races, because like we're race directors, so we we find that fascinating. Um, you you are an ambassador for SBT Gravel, so that's an initiative that SBT is doing. Um, an initiative that we're doing for next year is we're donating two dollars per cyclist uh, to kids of diverse backgrounds uh, for our NICA team, so that covers a bike and kit and travel and those things. So, um, to just basically make, uh, a way for kids that would never have an opportunity. So those are just two examples. I know a lot of the major races are doing things to expand diversity. So what are those, what are some of those, um, initiatives that you've seen that you think are really powerful? Um, what are some that you're involved with? I know you can talk a little bit about the SBT ambassadorship, what that involves, 
Um, so yeah, what what are some of the initiatives that you've seen that is happening in gravel that you think is in the right direction? Okay. Well, I would have to start first with talking about kind of the initiative that we've done with Unbound. Uh, we've partnered with Unbound for the past few years on bringing writers of color and women um, to Unbound um, each year. And so what I really love about that is Again, we get the opportunity to introduce people to gravel um, through an initiative that allows us to, um, um, we're close, of course, because we're right here in Kansas City and they're right in Emporia, Kansas. But it allows us to introduce people to gravel in kind of a big way because Unbound um, is kind of a big deal. <laughs> in the gravel world, um, and I didn't. I had just no a little idea. bit. Just a little. <laughs> just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, it's it, it's a big deal in the gravel <laughs> world, and so to be able to introduce people to gravel in that way, um, in the way that we've been able to do with the folks at Lifetime with Unbound. Shout out to Christy Moan. Um, we've Love been her. able to um, introduce folks nationwide that are part of Major Taylor Nationwide to. Kansas into the gravel that's in right in our backyard, essentially. Um, and, and with that, we have not just introduced black riders. We have a large Filipino contingency that rides with us. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, they actually highlighted that on one of their videos. Um, so it's not just black riders, but it's we're, we're, when we say people of color, it's really people of color. We are really pulling in, you know, folks from from really different backgrounds, which I love. Um, Steamboat, let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, Steamboat is great. So being able to, when I applied for that, part of what I know about gravel is that it's not cheap to be a part of this sport. And so when I went into that and applied for that, what I wanted to do was really use what I was given as part of that ambassadorship to build community and to get people on gravel who wouldn't normally ride gravel. And so my goal was to get three people on who had never ridden. I got two who have never ridden gravel to come along with me and to train for that. And so I think that that's the unique part of that is that I am, I have that opportunity with Steamboat um, to bring folks there and to make sure they have that opportunity to ride. But then I'm using what I have here in Kansas City to make sure that they get what they need. So if you need a gravel bike, I'm reaching out to these, you know, to these um, um, bike shops here in Kansas City. And, hey, you know, how can we work together to get, you know, and one of them is my sorority sister. So it's a black woman. I have, a, I have three black women riding with me and three black women three black men and one white woman who is riding um, kind of along with me on that. And so um, how do we get folks on these bikes? How can I work with the, with the bike, um, the bike stores here to try to get folks on bikes and to make sure. So that's, what's really interesting about being a part of these types of things. We get these big, you know, these big ambassadorships, but then, as a part of that, I get to reach out to the folks here in my city to make sure that, you know, we get to build those connections. They can build the connections with the folks who are just getting into the into the bike scene. And I, that's just by virtue of who I am. I'm doing diversity work because I, I'm thinking about, hey, I know again, let's go back to the health part. I know what the things that we fight in our community health wise. How can I help bring others along? And then the goal is always how can they do the same thing for the next person? As race promoters, we're always working, you know, we're always trying to take the next steps to make these races more inclusive and more diverse. Have you seen initiatives in gravel that you felt were successful? So this is a hard question to answer. When we, again, riding bikes is not always fiscally possible for everybody. But when you add in women on top of that, so I'm almost an empty nester. But ten years ago, I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been able to do the things that I can do now because I'm a mother 
and I'm responsible for these children as well. And so I can't just pick up, number one, if I'm paying for them to be in sports, I'm paying $200 for an entry here, and then I'm paying $3,000 for a child to play club volleyball. Like that, it doesn't- So gosh darn expensive. It's, for what reason? I, I finally told my oldest child, poor baby, you're not going to go to college and play D1 volleyball. Like, I, there's no reason for me to be paying <laughs> paying this much money. Yeah. Like, we got to be sensible yeah. here. <laughs> we got to be sensible here. What is it that you do well? She ended up going to college and being on the crew team, actually. Um, she was she was on the road team in college. But, um, so, a lot of times when these initiatives happen, sometimes you have the same people who are doing them because... We're already in cycling. So I know I'm skirting the question, but I don't know. Like, I can't, I I don't know. I love the initiative that Gravel Worlds did last year with the Thousand Women of Gravel. Um, And I think that that was a really great initiative to get women out. Um, You know, I think that there's pieces being done well everywhere. So this this is like kind of leads into a, a, a question. I think you and I have talked about this privately but a big thing that I I don't I, I want to know which is better and maybe there's not it's a probably it's for sure a combination but if you only had the resources for one or the other do you do you think like a top-down approach or like starting from the bottom so like for our initiative next year where we're we're helping kids like we're starting the bottom and you, you kind of you mentioned it earlier or you just said it that the the people that are of color right now that are in gravel and cycling are, are more than likely have already been there. Right. And so it's, it's kind of like you're either in cycling or you're not at that point. Obviously that's not a hundred percent true, but like in our eyes, it's like, we want, we, and like with the thousand women, we raised $15,000 for NICA, which is the next generation and specifically their grit program. So girls riding together. So in like our mentality of raising funds, it's like I, we're we're thinking twenty years from now. Like those kids, they're they're probably not going to come to Gravel Worlds for ten years at like the earliest, right? Um, and same with our scholarship fund next year with with kids who would never ever ever be able to afford a bike or do this. Like those are the kids we want to help. And then it's like I we love giving out free entries and helping people who can't afford to come to gravel worlds, that's important to us. And we, we give out scholarships to those that can't afford it. And yeah, if you can't afford gravel worlds, we're saying it right now, send us a message. We'll help you with, with entry fees and stuff. So we obviously can't give out free entries to everyone. And it's like, we, we love giving out those free entries, but I kind of always compare it to a diet of candy where it feels really good. And then it like looks good and tastes great, but then you're hungry right away. The second that it's over where with our scholarship programs, it's like that, that's like meat and potatoes. Like you're surviving off that for a generation type thing. So where, where do you see like what on your, like on that idea, can you expand on how you see those two styles working? Absolutely. For me, um, I'm very community oriented. I'm also very uh, future thinking right and this some of this may have to do with the fact that I'm a parent as well and I'm a parent of two black two young black women um and so um I also have nephews etc for me I know I'm here right I'm here I would rather pay and know that a portion of my payment is going towards ensuring that people, young people like my daughters, et cetera, can be introduced to the sport. And they have a way to continue in the sport than getting a free entry. That's how I think about that, right? But also I'm very community, I'm very community focused. It's gotten me in trouble sometimes. But I want to know, I want to know that this child can get an introduction to the sport and they're going to continue. So how do you allow them to see this as a viable part of their lifestyle, right? 
Is this something that can get you a scholarship to college? I don't know. Is this something that can make you money? Maybe. You know, how did my daughter get introduced to um, crew team, right? We, we live in Missouri and she's rowing, right? <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> it's crazy and I won't tell that story here, but how do you get those introductions <laughs> to kids to let them know that, hey, this is here, right? So they can go and say, hey, I, this is what I want to do. I find this to be fun and I want to continue doing it. And I want to introduce my friends to it. Right. Some stuff we can pull people into. Like I say, you give me a free entry or a paid entry and I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I, I have one, two sorority sisters that I know that want to ride bikes and they just haven't taken those steps. And I'm going to go and I'm going to be like, listen, I have this come in and kids will do the same thing. So I would rather pay the full price and say, hey, I know that. And I want to see those kids out at Gravel Worlds. So maybe it's a 12 mile, 13 mile fun ride. And they get a chance to come in and ride with the major Taylor team and see us out there, right? And, and other folks or the young girls get a chance to come out and ride with other women um, on that 12-mile ride or whatever. Those are the things that I would like to see happening because, yes, I believe that we have to build that community. So I'm not against how things have been done, you know, because I think things, I think we have to make some movement and some progression. Um, but as we think towards the future, um, I'll, we're going to age out. I mean, y'all are going to age out. I'm going to be 105 riding an e-bike. But <laughs> <laughs> we're going to age out. And what does that mean for the future of the future of gravel and the future of cycling in and of itself? Well, I can also imagine that just as it's important to give them those opportunities and, you know, provide bikes and provide entries, all that stuff. It's also probably very important to see representation for those young students that are coming up in this sport. Like it's, it's important for them to see representation and be able to look at the sport and be like, okay, they look like me. They are me. Like I want to be like them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, representation is everything. Like I said, um, I saw my brother riding and at the time when he was riding and racing, there was not a whole lot of black people doing cycling. It just, it just wasn't, you know, he moved to Denver and people thought he was Nelson Bales and he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not <laughs> Nelson Bales. <laughs> We're just both bald headed and black. I mean, you know, um, so I, I do think that that is very, very important. Um, <laughs> I do think that that's very important. I mean, and I think that there's a way to do both. And like off the top of my head right now, um, I, I can't think of both ways, but I do think that it's important for um, us to provide those opportunities for young people to get this introduction into the sport. And it's important for them to see us out there doing it, right? So... I would love to see, again, when I go and show up at some of these things, I would love to see young people from the community that I'm riding in come and, and be able to ride with us, whether it's a 12-mile shakeout ride, whether it's whatever the case may be, how do we get them out there to ride with us? And sometimes it's just making that introduction, like we're not going to ride off and leave them. So it's like, we're always going to stay with you. We're always going to be here. That's how we build community. You come out, you ride with us. You're able to do that. Even if you don't have a bike, we have bikes here. Maybe you can't take it home, but you can come out and ride. And it's it's an introduction. So I think we, we start to think holistically instead of thinking just right now. Yeah, I can give you those free entries and I'll take a free entry, but I'd rather pay to make sure that can these kids join this team, right? Is it, does it cost $500 for a kid to join a cycling team in school. I don't know what the, the cost is. Um, you know, and, and will some of my money go, go towards helping get a scholarship so that kid can join that team instead of a parent trying to figure out how I'm going to pay $3,000. And that's a whole thing in and of itself, right? This whole money-making scheme in kids' sports. But, you know, I can't figure out how to pay for my kid to do this is there a way that I can help make sure that that kid gets into that sport? And I would love to have the avenues to be able to do that. And I think as race directors that are firmly planted in your communities, 
you know the ways that that could be done the best and you understand what we're looking for and how we want to see the community grow and how we want to see the sport grow, not just in terms of children of color, but in terms of girls getting into the sport, et cetera, or even differently able children being able to get into the sport. I love the mama that's there with her son who is um, on the autism spectrum, right? As a parent, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. That means my kid can get somewhere safe. He got somebody that's riding with him all the time. And I can, you know, to be able to provide those things. And diversity is not just race. Diversity is a lot of things. That's awesome. Well, we do have to wrap this one up here. Um, and we greatly, greatly appreciate your wisdom and knowledge and um your patience maybe for for answering these questions um and just being such an advocate in gravel cycling we really appreciate you um but before we go sophia always has one last question i do uh so what does the gravel family mean to you Mm, the gravel family for me means fun and it means being able to leave my worries behind and focus on having fun with people that want to get out and have fun with me. That's what the gravel family means. <laughs> love it. So good. Well, greatly, greatly appreciate and love you. Denisha cannot wait to see you down at mid South. We'll be down there for sure. Down there. We'll see you back in Lincoln for sure then. And I hope many other times throughout this year, but, um, Oh, and then Emporia for the gravel cycling hall of fame. We didn't get to talk about that, but, um, Denisha and I are both board members of the Hall of Fame, so we'll be in Emporia for that week. But we appreciate you very much. Thanks for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm Sophia. I'm Jason. This is Denisha. And this has been another episode of the Gravel Family Podcast. We'll see you next time. Gravel Family Podcast is a Pirate Cycling League production. Gravel Worlds and Pirate Cycling League are owned and operated by Gravel Adventures LLC, Lincoln, Nebraska. For more information on Gravel Family Podcast, visit www.gravelfamily.bike. For information on Gravel Worlds or Pirate Cycling League, go to www.gravel-worlds.com. 